Every Sunday, we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's Word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come and join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 9.45. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. Will you now bow with me as we pray before I share God's word with you? Our Father, help us to to be like the Apostle Paul when he wrote these words about gaining Christ in his life. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Our Father, help us to seek that form of godliness where we surrender to you, where we live for you, whether we live or whether we die, that every day, every moment of our life is dedicated to faith in you. Our Father, help us to to change day by day as we grow as your children. And I pray that this morning, our Father, you will take this message on godliness and just simply use it in our lives to draw us closer to you so we're better prepared when you send a new pastor to us. So I thank you for this morning, and our Father, I thank you for every person who is gathered in this place, for everyone who is watching it live streaming or who will watch it later. Help us to hear what you have to say, not what I have to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, you have returned once more. This is my third Sunday to preach for you. You can consider this good news or bad news, but I'm going to be back two more Sundays, the Lord willing. And then I'm going to hand this thing off, and our staff's going to be preaching for us in the month of December. And I'll tell you what, I've seen a little bit of what the plan is, and you're going to be blessed by what's coming in that glorious month. But this morning I want to share with you just in a statement, for those of you who don't know, and you wonder, who is this guy and where did he come from? What kind of background does he have? I'm from the Texas Panhandle. That should explain a lot. (laughs) From a little farm and ranch community by the name of Silverton. It's about halfway between Amarillo and Lubbock, over not too far from the edge of the Caprock. I know what it is to know everybody else's business. That's the life in a small town. There are no real secrets. You think they are, but they eventually will come to light. Well, now, I have a story about, not Silverton, but it's about some town, somewhere off in the distance, not too different. And in that town, there were these two brothers, Bill and Bob. Now, Bill and Bob were the two meanest people in town, and everybody knew it. There was no one they wouldn't lie to, steal from, or cheat. That was their life, and everybody avoided them as often as they could. But one day, Bill died, and Bob started going to every preacher in town. And, you know, there weren't a lot of preachers, but he went to all of them. He said, I want you to preach my brother Bill's funeral but you've got to say that he was a saint. 
Everybody turned him down. Finally, he said, I'll pay any preacher in town a thousand dollars who will preach my brother Bill's funeral and say that he was a saint. Baptist preacher agreed to do it. It has to be the Baptist preacher. Well, being a preacher and everybody in town knew what was going on, everybody showed up at that funeral because they wanted to see the Baptist preacher hang himself that day, lose all integrity by not telling the truth. The preacher said, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. So that day when the preacher got up to start the funeral, he said, now here's the truth. Bill, there wasn't a person in this town that Bill wouldn't lie to, steal from, or cheat. But next to his brother Bob there, he was a saint. Okay. Okay. That is my all-time favorite joke. I've now used it. All right. You're awake right now. Thank you. First week, we talked about seeking God first before we seek a preacher. Seek the God who can tear down the impossible walls, and there are some there. Last week, I shared with you about seeking God through His Holy Word. That's the truth that endures. We must do that. And today, I'm going to share with you about seeking God like Paul wrote about it. We read a few moments ago seeking godliness in our lives, and we have to have God's help. When God called Abraham, it was to a life of faith, obedience, and blessing for him and for the world. God would bless him and his descendants, and then they would become a blessing to the world. When God gave his people many years later the law in the wilderness, it too was a call to a life of faith, obedience, and blessing. He gave instructions for a proper relationship with God. He said, have no other gods. He gave instructions for how to treat one another. When Jesus came, he taught and addressed the truth of the law. He said that the law says, love God with all your heart, everything in your being, just like I heard in that song that we got to sing twice. We got to sing with you guys. That's giving God everything. And he said, not only that, but he said, you love others the same way. He gave us those two principles. Every time he was teaching from the Sermon on the Mount to feeding of the 5,000, I have a feeling, and other places he was teaching that. Serving God in a godly way is all about attitude and behavior. Think about it. We have to have an attitude, I want to serve God and do it right. And then our behavior follows that. So what I'm saying is the New Testament clarifies what it means to serve God and to be godly and to have that relationship with the Father and with one another. He's provided us all the information we need to have faith in the resurrected Jesus. That's where our focus is, and that's what we sang this morning, and that's what God's Word tells us. Focus on Jesus, and that's it. And for what purpose? So we can be a blessing to others as much as we receive the blessings of God. So what is godliness, to put it simply here at the beginning? Godliness comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that 
is led by God's Holy Spirit that is in a constant state of transformation. We are born again, but we don't stop growing. It's not automatic. We have to be nourished on the Word of God to progress. It requires us being willing to change the way we do human relationships. We do it God's way. It requires of us to have the right attitude that God's way is best, and I'm going to seek to serve Him properly. I think it affects our speech, how we speak to other people, how we speak about other people. We guard that speech. In other words, godliness moves us from immaturity to maturity in our faith. It is a lifelong process. And I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to look at you for a moment. You're looking at me, okay? All those are folks of you out there watching at home. I can't see you, but maybe I can. All right, I'm looking. Looking all the way around. You know what I don't see? I don't see anybody who's arrived yet. I don't see anybody that has already done and become everything that God wants you to be. Am I right? We're in a, we're a work in progress with a clay in the potter's hand and he's still at work. And you know what, what worship is? Let me slip this in. Worship is singing and praise and hearing the word of God. What happened on the day that Ezra taught? They praised God and they stood and they listened to the word and they had it presented to them and they understood it. If we do just one, if we do just one aspect of it, we're only half done. So this morning we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. It's it's a number of verses. We're not going to read all of them here at the beginning, but Colossians 3 beginning in verse 1. Let's do as we always do for these verses I'm going to read. Let Would you stand with me? If you can stand, do so. We're going to read right here verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3. If therefore you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Thank you for standing for the reading of that word. I hope, I hope in your scriptures or in your cell phone that you'll keep those there. One Sunday morning years ago, <clears throat> Donnie arrived at church during the Sunday school hour. He didn't know exactly when to come, but he saw cars there and he showed up. He came in and one of the ushers directed him to the Sunday school class that my wife was teaching for young adults. And he sat down in that class, and he was so excited about being there, and he had questions. He kept interrupting the class. Finally, Keith, one of the members of the class, realized something had to be done. And he took Donnie, and he said, I'm going to take you down to the pastor's study. And he brought him to my study. 
as I was preparing for the sermon that morning, he said, he said, Brother Randy, Donnie needs to talk to you. Well, Donnie had just gotten out of prison two days before. And he made his way back to Waco where his family lived. And he knew his life was in shambles. He knew he had messed up badly enough to be in prison. And he wanted to change. He wanted to work, walk away from the addictions in his life. And he said, can you help me? And I said, Jesus can. And that morning after I explained the message of Jesus, he openly and honestly trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. There was no appeal for something physical out of him. He wanted help, and he understood it. He received it, and he rejoiced that morning. And he said, this is exciting. I have a new start. What do I do? And I said, well, I think you ought to stay for church, and I think you ought to make your decision public for everybody in church to know that you have had a changed life. He said, I'll do it. How do we do it? And I gave him instructions, and then we went to church. All during that time that we were in church, he was just sort of bouncing up and down. He could hardly wait. And I would have probably been wise by putting the invitation first that day. Would probably been, And you can do that. But I didn't. And when it was time for the invitation, Donnie came running down that aisle. And he came to me, and he was so excited about it. He, he wanted that change because he knew the trouble his life was in. And it was a rejoicing time. And the next week, he was baptized. And he began immediately to witness to his family and do everything he could to his two brothers, two sisters and his brother. But eventually, he had to go back to the Dallas area where the rest of his personal family was and reunite and testify to them. Now you're thinking, what happened to Donnie? Well, I can honestly say and truthfully say the last time I had contact with Donnie, he was a leader in his church in Dallas. He has stayed the course. He has grown and he sought godliness every day of his life. It's not true in every case. He began immediately before he returned to witness to his two sisters and his brother. One sister heard that message and gave her life to Christ and began to grow. And she came to our church and she began to participate and she worked with children and she became a rock. And then she died of cancer, but she died a believer in God. He had another sister who was so addicted to alcohol, that it was taking her life away. And she just couldn't make that commitment. The addiction was so strong in her. She just couldn't have what Donnie had. She wanted it, but she wasn't willing to throw everything in her life into the hands of Christ. And she died of liver failure. The brother refused the message all out. He wouldn't do anything with it. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to change his life. And one night, one Saturday night, in the dark, crossing the street, when he left the bar, he was run over and killed. I preached three funerals in that family. One of them who heard the message and received the transformation. Two who just wouldn't trust. Now, what about Donnie? As far as I know, he's still going strong. Will you pray for the guy named Donnie? You don't even know him. 
because I have a feeling since I have now mentioned him in a sermon, he will probably come under attack. Pray for him. What I'm trying to tell you that the change that Jesus Christ comes, we need to embrace that change. And it will turn our lives around. How can we grow stronger in our lives? It takes the right motivation. You've got to want to. You've got to want Jesus more than you want anything in this world. And you may have to work at it for a while. But I do believe that, and we sing about that, that when we focus on him, this world becomes more dim in our sight, and we do the things. Do you want to bring glory to God in every part of your life? Do you want to bring the love of God into this fallen world? And isn't it clear that it's a fallen world right now with all the things that are going on? Do you want to be a positive force or a negative force? Do you want to be the salt and the light or part of the darkness? How can we do it? What can I say to you? How can we do it? By first being honest with ourselves, we need God. And we need Jesus Christ or we'll keep messing things up the way the world always does. Let's be honest with ourselves and God. Now, be prepared, be, be, be prepared here because in just a moment you'll know where I'm going and I want everybody awake. Because I want you to know our God's good all the time. God is good. All the time. Oh, good, you're awake for now. But is that true? Yes, it's true. So how do we overcome our sinful lives? All right, look back at Colossians chapter 3, these verses 1 through 4. Look what he says in verse 1. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, do what? Keep seeking the things above. It's not a one-time deal. It's a lifetime process. If we have, that word can be translated if or since. But in this context, it's best translated if. If you have done this, then you keep doing something. You are a child of God. You're not an adult of God. As long as you're on this earth, you're a child of God. And you keep seeking those things. Yes, spiritually we've been raised to new life. Then let's walk in that new life. And let's let's feed on the bread of life and drink the, the living water. Let's do the things it takes. He says we have to seek it out. It's not all just automatic. It's not that we have spiritual maturity automatically. We have to be willing to practice my wife and I have decided we need to, to, to lose some weight. I have some health issues and knee issues. And for a couple of weeks now, we have been walking. And it's making a huge difference because we're doing it faithfully and consistently. Well, then if I can do that physically and it works, doesn't it work spiritually the same way? The more I walk with Christ, the stronger I get and the better my life is. So what are we supposed to do? Seek him first, not the blessings. Seek God first through Jesus Christ. And what will we receive? Grace. Who is he? He's the pearl of great price. That's who we seek. We strive after, we go after, we work after it, we put energy into it, we make it our life's purpose. And what are we seeking? We're seeking the things that are above, not the base things of this earth. 
What do we seek and what should we seek? The fruit of the Spirit. And did you know that the fruit of the Spirit, those nine blessed words, are not automatic? We have to let them grow in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things we have to work on. And that's my call to us to do them today. What are the things he tells us in this passage that we should avoid? Selfishness, pride, lust, and greed, and hurt, judgmental attitudes, and uncontrolled tongues. You're sitting there thinking, I sure hope this preacher controls his tongue and lets us out on time. That's not my point. My point is, let's control our tongues in what we say and how we say it and when we say it. Let's think about not saying things that are crude and judgmental, complaining, gossipy, angry, lustful. You know, we're really good at making excuses for ourselves when our minds go where they shouldn't be. We'll say, I was just teasing. Well, maybe sometimes we don't need to just tease. Or someone also in a marriage relationship, talking to someone else. I was just flirting. Don't do that unless that's your prospective wife or husband. Or I was just expressing my opinion. Well, sometimes, and I'll put it bluntly since I'm the preacher, sometimes we should just keep our mouths shut. It's up to wisdom to help us know when to open them. We cover it up and say, well, I'm just trying to help. Well, did you help? Really? Let me ask you a question. Now, I, I was asked, you're going to put any fire and brimstone in it today? And I said, yes. Sometimes we need it. When is the last time you called a member of our staff? Or last time you called Brother Andy when he was here? And the only reason for your call was to say, I'm praying for you today. God bless you in your work. Why do you call the staff or the, those ladies who answer the phone so often? 99% of the time, it's something you need or something you want or maybe something you don't like. Let's think about it. There's a time sometimes to correct someone. Galatians tells us very clearly how to go about that and how to do that. Our speech, our speech, as well as our actions, should reflect a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And they should be words of grace and mercy. They should be words that make the world a better place and encourage people. I I don't know how many people in the last two weeks, knowing this is an awkward position that I am in personally right now to try to preach to you when you'd rather have Brother Andy here. That's the truth. I've had several people call and say, I'm praying for you, Randy. Thank you. Boy, that means all the world to a person. Let's encourage one another. How do we do it? By keeping our focus on heaven. What he says in verse 2 is, set your mind on heaven and heavenly things. Think about them. Limit the bad influences. Live the straight and narrow. Those of you that have military experience, you probably handled, and I meant to bring my compass with me. I I keep one at home and when I travel. If you know how to use that compass, you can you can turn it and, and turn it and work and work, and it's going to show up somewhere back over this way is north. 
And when you get north, you can turn your dial, set it in, and then you think, I need to go to a certain degree direction. And you adjust things, and you keep it on north, and you walk in that direction, and that compass will keep you straight. Here's your compass. Here's your compass. And the Holy Spirit in your heart, if you'll listen to Him, He will do that. And that heads us in the right direction. He says in verse 3 that your earthly life, the physical, is over. It's now a spiritual life. That means we should have different goals and motivations and purposes. The old sinful life was changed. Like Nicodemus, we have been born again. So that should motivate us to want to live for Christ. We should put on the heavenly robes rather than the earthly clothing. And what do we do in verse 4? We get ready for His return. We prepare ourselves because it could be any time. We focus on Him and what He wants for us, the things above. All right, that's the first point we've talked at in verses 1 through 4. I want you to look with me in verses 5 through 9 very quickly as we lay aside the sinful influences of the world. Lay aside the sinful influences of this world. He says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amount to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. I'm going to use the illustration of clothing. We dress differently for different activities. My wife and I and some other old folks in our age group have kayaks. And when the weather is nice and warm and the wind's not blowing too much, the the eight of us get together and we go kayaking. Can you imagine the sight of that? Gray-haired people with kayaks. But we dress appropriately for that. It's different from what I dress in other ways. So we understand that. Another Sunday morning at our church, Crystal came in. Now, you need to know that Crystal was a stripper in one of the clubs in Waco. And she showed up at church on Sunday morning looking like a stripper. Pretty revealing clothing. But she came in to church with reluctance, but seeking something again. One of the men caught her at the door, and he brought her immediately to my office. I was a little nervous. No, I was a whole lot nervous at that point. And she told me who she was, and she said, my life's in shambles. I'm separated from my husband. Every decision I make is wrong. I need help. And I shared with Crystal that morning about Jesus Christ. And she accepted him as her Lord and Savior, willing to change her life completely. So she said, what do I need to do? Well, you know what I told her? I said, you need to come into church and you need to let people know you've made that decision in front of all those people. 
Yes, you need to do it. That's what Jesus said. So she did. You should have seen the looks on everybody's face when Crystal walked into church and sat down by my wife, Judy. They wondered, where has Judy been? No, they did not think that. They wondered, but they trusted that there was something important. And when the invitation came, she came forward to make her commitment public and to sign up for baptism. It was an amazing thing to watch in Crystal's life. Week by week, even her physical appearance began to change. Her clothing changed. The makeup changed. The look on her face changed. Instead of radiating sexuality, she began to radiate peace from within. Eventually, I wish I had time to tell you the whole story. Eventually, she was reunited with her husband and her daughter and moved to Corpus Christi to serve God. Haven't seen her in many years, many, many years. But I'm going to see Crystal in heaven. And she's going to be one of the most beautiful people there because of Christ and his transformation. You see what I'm saying this morning? If we're going to be godly people, it requires a transformation. No, we're not all Donnies who were in prison or Crystal who were strippers. You don't have to be. You just have to be a person who has committed sin in your life. We need to be cleansed. We need to change our clothing spiritually. The inner change, too, when this happens, and listen, this is important. When this happens, the inner change will be reflected in the outer appearance. Our countenance will be different. The way we treat other people will be different. We will gradually become more like Christ. How do we do it? In verses 5 and 6, we lay aside these things of the world that he talked about, these earthly desires, the immorality, impurity, and all of those words. I don't have to describe them to us. I think we know what they mean. They're things that take us away from focusing on God. They constitute idolatry, and there's no place for them in our lives. And in verse 7, he says, you once walked with them, you once were them. So we've been cleaned up, act like it. When I graduated from seminary with my master's degree, my mother gave me a little plaque, and it had the name Hughes written on it. She said, And it said on there, you've been given a name that's good, don't mess it up. You have been given a name that is precious and holy, child of God. Don't tarnish it. Let godliness be a part of your life. Now, if we're cleaned up, we have to act like it. Now, it's not an act we put on. It cannot be a false presentation. And we know what Jesus said. If you cast demons out of a guy, if something more better doesn't come in, something better doesn't come in, they'll come back. We don't just throw the old stuff away from our lives. We have to embrace the new. And that's what he describes in verses 8 and 9. He's complete here. He says, get rid of all this bad stuff. But what do we put on as our lifestyle? He says, lay aside the anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive things, and put on, put on the love of God. For this description of things we lay aside are so important. To do that. 
And I think the speech is a very important one. How we speak to one another and about one another. In James 1, 23 to 26, in verse 23, he says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man or woman's religion is worthless. So let me ask a favor of all of us now in just a practical sense for a few moments before I move us into the third and final point. Eventually, we're going to have a new pastor and his family. I want to challenge you to do something very important. If he says or does something that you have a disagreement with and you have a problem with maybe what he said in the pulpit, now please listen if you've gotten sleepy and tired and your mind has drifted. Speaking as a 51-year-long ministry, please do not go to his wife and complain about him. Don't go to his wife and tell her what you don't like about him. Why do I say that? Because she loves him more than any other person in this world. Don't hurt her through your dislike of him. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you've got something to address with your pastor you don't like, where do you go? You go to him and make sure you have prayed before you complain. You're getting experience right here. Now, why do I say that's so important? I'm going to share something with you that most of you really don't know, unless you've deliberately made an effort to find this out. Today, in the United States of America, 57% of pastors, that's a good number, 57%, report being basically happy and fulfilled as a pastor. That means 43% are not. Today, the medical profession and the law enforcement professions are under a lot of stress. I've never known them to be under the stress that they are today. Are you praying for those people? and their spouses, and the danger they're facing. Well, there's another profession that's as high stress year in and year out, and that is Christian ministry. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. Because our expectations of what we want in a pastor and his family are up here, when too often our expectations for what we expect of ourselves are down here. Yes, he's our shepherd. Yes, he's to be a godly person. But why does the pastor have to be more godly than you? Where does it say that in Scripture, that he has to be more godly than you in your daily life? Here are the statistics. Right now, every month in this country, 1,500 pastors leave the ministry. Now, some of them are retirement. 1,500 a month. Right now. 50% and historically will leave the ministry within five years of graduation from seminary. That's half. You say, how can that be? We had a pastor for 32 years. We had a pastor, Brother Leroy, 21, 22. My goodness, how did they make it? They did. 40% of today's pastors right now, 
have considered leaving the ministry in the last three months because of the stress. Fifty percent would do it if they felt they could provide their family in another profession. Ninety percent will tell you after they've had some experience that seminary, to the best that it can, did not prepare them for the daily stresses and demands of life in the church. Eighty-five percent have never taken a sabbatical. I'm one of those. I didn't do it till I retired. And you have you noticed? A few years ago, wasn't it? We gave Brother Andy a sabbatical. Does anybody remember that? And it was a big presentation. He never felt he had the time to take it because of the demands of the profession. Seventy percent feel they have no real close friends in their church they can trust. Sometimes that's their own fault, but it's truth. Thirty-seven percent of those who work at less than 50 hours a week risk termination because people don't think they work hard enough at their job. And here's one you need to know. Fifty-six percent, that's more than half of preacher's wives today wish their husband did something else for a living. Never heard that from Sharon and my church folks never heard it from my wife. But almost 60% wish their husband was doing something else. 80%, excuse me, I said that the wrong way. 56% of the wives wish, feel they don't have any close friends and 80% wish their husband had a different job. You say, Randy, why are you sharing this with us? Because you've been blessed with over 50 years with two men leading you in church. No guarantee we have that in the future. Preaching's a hard profession, and Brother Andy could not preach this part of the sermon to you, could he? You'd think he was griping and complaining. Well, in three weeks, I'm through. I don't care. I can give you the truth and walk away. It's just easy. Just know our tongues do so much damage. Let's be a church that's careful of our tongues when we get a new pastor. Yes, speak up when it's necessary. Yes, do what you have to. But let's do it in a Christian manner. All right, there's a lot more I need to say there, but we need to do our third point and finish because I'm over time where I need to be. The third thing is, in verses 10 to 17, dress yourself for serving God and others. I'm going to have to leave most of this to you. Don't just put off the old, put on the new. The new self that he says in verse 10 is being renewed to a new knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. It's constant renewal in our lives. Constant. We have to be in the word of God every day. We need to be praying every day. Put on a new heart. That's verses 12 and 13. Will you read them? That's a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another. Read those verses and do them when you go home today because it tells us how to avoid doing the bad by doing the good. Let's do that. Let's not be self-serving. Let's not be self-seeking. Let's not be recognition-seeking. Let's not be position or control seeking. Let's not have our own agenda. Let's ask God for his agenda and mold ourselves to that agenda and to that pastor. And let's put on a new love, verses 14 and 15. 
Let's love like we've never loved before. And what will be the result will be verse 15. All the anxiety you have about this world and politics and COVID and how are we going to hilltop and what kind of a new pastor, what will it be replaced with in verse 15? If we do it God's way, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's what we have. And so we serve him and we give a good ministry and we serve him together. As Paul wrote, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his presence in my life. Let's do that. Let's focus our lives on Christ. He's the one who saved you. Let's lay aside those evil influences and get dressed with the new things. Let's put on a new self, a new heart, a new love. How is it possible? Just by daily committing ourselves to Jesus Christ. We can do it. I love this church. You love this church. Together, together, we can prepare for the days ahead. Will you bow with me as we pray and prepare for our invitation? Thank you, our Father, for the chance to share these words this morning to encourage our church to have proper speech, to have proper attitudes, to love one another the way Jesus loves us. Our Father, if anyone has been convicted in their heart of anything this morning, will you touch them right now? Give them the faith and the courage that Donnie and Crystal had to, if necessarily, come running down an aisle or just give their lives to you. Let us right now do your will in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to have our time of invitation. I'll be here to receive you and staff members will be here to help if you need to make a decision. Let's stand together. Let's sing. Thank you for listening today. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, to help, and to encourage.